I'm Steve Noviello, and this is how you sell without selling out. Roger's that. Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome back to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today we have someone who is a lot of things. He is a nine-time Emmy Award winner. He is a uh, he's a why guy. He is a public figure. He is a celebrity. He is a trusted resource. He is an award winner. He's gotten every recognition from the national headliner of the year, uh, from the Associated Press to husband, to dad, to soccer coach, um, <laughs> to everything. But uh, when I think of Steve Noviello, I think of a lot of words. And the word that I really lean on most is trust. And I think that in the community, uh, at home, and uh, out front facing for his career, what people lean on for Steve more than anything is that sense of peace, that sense of trust, whether it's for a product, whether it's for his perspective, or whether it's because he is just himself for living. That to me is why I wanted him on this today. Steve and I met uh, the same way I meet all my friends. We met on Facebook <laughs> uh, a few years back, and it was at the peak of really just a divided world. Not that we're anything better than we were two and a half years ago, but uh, I just took a liking to him online. I knew who he was because of television, but I really liked the fact that he was a, non, a no-nonsense guy that shared his opinion with respect, even if he didn't agree with the person he was sharing his opinion with. And for me, that's the epitome of not being a sellout, is doing it with respect. Uh, Steve has been a groundbreaker in television. Uh, he has done a lot of things a lot of us dream to do, but I'll tell you the one thing he's never done is sell out. And so uh, I'm excited to welcome you here today, Steve. Thanks for coming to the show. I mean, could you just follow me around and repeat that all day? Really? You're good for my self-esteem. I'm a hype guy. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I'm thinking back to that Facebook moment, which of course I remember, and I think I had commented on a picture of you wearing some truly terrible pants standing next to Paris Hilton. Oh, yes. I think that, that was the that, that was, was the moment. So um, <laughs> maybe that's episode uh, 2.1 with Stephen Rogers or 1.2. I was on TRL a few years back, which was a show on MTV. Yeah. My buddy, uh, Ryan Cabrera, who was on Rogers Music Tour, a little cross promo here, called me at the peak of his success. And he goes, hey, I'm on, t I'm on Total Request TRL. Total Request Live, and I'm allowed to bring one guest, and I want it to be you. I'm like, yeah, man. He's like under one condition. I was like, duh. He's like, I get to dress you. I was like, totally <laughs> fine. I get to the studio. Carson Daly, Little John, Ryan Cabrera greet me. Little John, you know, that's an interesting duo. And there was my outfit. A uh, medium shirt. I'm an extra large at, at minimum of a wizard. Uh, shooting out rainbow flames and then uh, pants made out of bandanas. I mean, it was a crop top. Let's it call was, it what it was. It was literally a crop top. And I was like, Whatever. They had an open bar and done. Here we go. So so get us get us to Steve Noviello. Here, here you are in your mid thirties, dominating the world. Mid thirties. I like won you even 10 more Grammys, now. incredible complexion. The guy has biceps that Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> would be uh, jealous of. But what what made Steve Steve? So in the interest of accuracy, I'm forty eight. Oh. I'm pushing fifty. Wow. It's ten Emmys these days. Ten. ten. Can oh. you believe it? Although I did give one away to my parents as a gift. So That's if you came to the, the if you came to the if you came to the house, there's only there's only nine of them. Um, yeah, you know what? We have been in Dallas. This is my 20th year in DFW, believe it or not, which I, I uh, am the last who would have said I would be married with two kids raising them in Dallas, Texas. Not just Dallas, Texas. You're in the epicenter of... In your neighborhood. Our neighborhood. Well, you live in the nicer part of town That's than I do. That's not true. That is, I've been to your house. It's very true. Um, but yeah, you know, it, well, it's all about my kids, right? What What can I do what well, can Doug and the kids. I what are the yeah. kids names so my, my we have two boys Jacob who's about to be six Hudson who is four um and of course my husband Doug who I couldn't do any of it how old um, is Doug without. Doug's 
four years younger than I am. So oh, he's, wow. he's, about well, he's about to be 45. Yeah. Wow. Doug, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who, who is really the true hero in this entire, <laughs> in this entire story. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I did as you do started in small market television. My very first television station was KRCG TV 13 in mid Missouri. I was there for nine months, sight unseen. I made $12,500 a year with a master's degree. And I remember I just drove out and just, just moved. I mean, I had never been there before. And I said to the news director on the phone, how, cause it was a strange, I mean, I'm from New York. So every, you know, the addresses are different where I'm from. This was like, oh, we're 872-15 FM 436 or, FM. you know. Uh, Shout out to the rural neighborhoods. So I said, how will I know what that is? And he said, we're the only thing on the street that's not a horse farm. You can't miss us. And he was not lying. Um, and I spent um, nine months there shooting my own video, producing my own stories, lugging around the old school, you know, three quarter inch gear with decks and cameras and tripods and whatnot. And it was a great place to learn. I mean, and he, I remember he said to me, welcome to market, you know, 150 something, you know, you're here to screw up. Um, and I used to stay up late watching the rebroadcast of, we were, we were somewhere in the state where at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night, they would rebroadcast the news out of Kansas City and St. Louis. So I was able to watch people who were doing what I wanted to do one day, who were doing it better than I did. Um, like I said, I was there for nine months. I left there, went to... Um, uh, um, uh, Burlington, Vermont for two years, oh my gosh. which was awesome. A great place to live. Not a great station to work for. Home of the Coat Factory? Home of <laughs> home of Cabot Cheese, home of Fish, the band, home of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, wow. Home of Lake Champlain Chocolates. Um, wow. Shout out to Vermont. Yeah, a, a beautiful place. Um, and then, you know, uh, I left there and got my first full-time consumer gig because I used to do general assignment news, right? Murder, crime, all of the terrible things. Do you remember your very, very first time you were on TV? Yes. Uh, my very first story in Jefferson City, Missouri was about how they were moving City Hall because they wanted to move City Hall because it wasn't big enough. So we had to go shoot this story by myself in this very cramped space. The video was blue. I didn't white balance my camera. I mean, it was a mess, right? Um... But I got better. You know, I got better from there. Still here. But look, get us to the journey of, of television. Like you're literally, you're, I'm myself for living, but you really are yourself for living with you a know, suit and tie. Which is, yeah, right, I just got, I just left work. Um, you know, it's funny. So I'm in the process of toying with a new idea. And um, one of the things that I'm addressing as part of it is kind of the irony of that advice, which on television is, be yourself. People will recognize if you if you're yourself. If you're some guy who is playing the part of who he thinks a TV newscaster should be, people are going to see right through that and you're not going to connect with them. So be yourself. So a little backstory, I mean as you mentioned, I'm I'm in a same-sex relationship, right? Being myself, I mean have have more terrifying words ever been said to somebody like me? I mean, I spent years of my life being petrified of who I was, being ashamed of who I was, uh, being ridiculed for who I was, you know, knowing that before you were in the professional side. Oh, for sure. Of course, as a kid, right? I mean, you grew up as a gay kid and you're like, gosh, I'm so my uh, background, my mom growing up was a rock cat. So I was what? like, yeah. What? So How have we never <laughs> talked about this? One of the things we've connected on is that we both love, we love Broadway musicals. We love musicals. Yeah. How have we never talked yeah. about this? So yeah. Can you high kick? See, I mean, <laughs> so no, and here's why. Because as a kid, again, growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, what a petrifying thing that your son wants to go to dancing school, right? It yeah. just was a different time, right? So, you know, here I am, like, 
you know, with this mom who, you know, you know, I remember, I'll give you, I'll tell you a quick story. I remember one summer I went away to summer camp and, um, they came for visiting day and I begged them to take me home with, them. I was like, please take me home, please, please take me home. I remember the one thing I loved about visiting day is I remember I was going to wear this outfit. It was a black Nike t-shirt that said the word Nike in white. And I had these great white shorts to wear with it, but they had a stain on them. So I had to wear gray ones. So I was, the day was already not off to a great start. I'm in like fifth or sixth grade. Right. Um, and I was like, please, please take me home. Like I, I, you know, you, you knew you were on something special when you were coordinating your outfit right. at, at yeah, summer exactly. camp in fifth grade. Um, and my mom was like, Stephen, I can't, I'm working. There happened to be a show at the music hall that summer that she was doing, which was very rare. She said, what are you going to do? Sit in the audience for five shows a day and, and come into the city with me every day? And I was like, zoom, bags packed in the car, like, let's go. Like, absolutely. And I did all summer. I was the best summer ever like for a young kid who's kind of figuring out what we you know what he's all about i used to sit in that audience man and watch that show over and over and over again and then i'd go to the stage door after it was over and she'd meet me and we'd go to lunch and then come back for the next i mean it was like the best so when you talk about like okay just be yourself you have to understand that that comes after a very long time of being told it's not okay. Boys don't like these things. Boys don't sit like that. Boys don't talk like that. Boys don't, you know. And what's really amazing to me now is that people will see me out, viewers, and they think they recognize me. I'm a bit taller than they expect me to be. Yeah. Um, and they always say the same thing, which is kind of funny. I guess it's a kind of a 360 moment, right? Um, that they say, I didn't know it was you until I heard your voice. And then I was like, oh, that's definitely him. I know that voice. I trust that voice. Which for me as a kid, I had a really high-pitched, very effeminate voice. Full circle. Um, and it's so funny to me that now that would become something that people connect with. Man, so the, over, over the span of a few decades, you've learned to leverage who you are without ever selling out. And, you know, again, the 70s and 80s, way different than the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah. But Again, I think that now it would be the most unique time to be a kid, and I don't know if I'd trade it for being an 80s kid, but you've done it, and it led you to TV. So so get us to that point where you had that moment of clarity. This is what I want to do. Yeah, which I, I think that's a really loaded way to think about something, especially for a, a veteran of your staff. Sure. What did that look like? You know, for me, um, I it was not my first choice. In fact, I remember back then, who even – thought about how those people got those jobs, how a reporter, I mean, lawyer, doctor, m uh, mathematician. I mean, you, these are things that you realtor. knew that you stuck yeah. realtor. Yeah. I mean, these are things that you, you went to school for, but like a TV news reporter, like, I don't even know that I even ever considered that that was something you could intentionally become. I thought these people were just. I mean, did you grow up watching Walter Cronkite, Bob no, Walters? No, your... I remember the first news story that I ever really connected with was it was in the 80s and there was a fire at the Six Flags Great Adventure by where we live. And I remember the team was out there live and it was like live team coverage and they had covered just a ton of stuff. And I looked up and it was like four minutes after the hour. And I was like, wow, they just fit all that information into four minutes. Um, that, and, and it started that kind of interest for me. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a teacher. I thought I might want to go into politics and looking back now, the kind of work that I do, I mean, I, there's a bit of performance to what I do oh, for yeah. sure. I teach people, I make life better for people when they contact me and ask me to improve their situation. So it, 
really, at the end of the day, kind of became unintentionally this career that rolled all of those things um, into one experience. Hmm. And, and the difficulty of getting from Missouri to Vermont <laughs> to one of the top stations in the entire world. And you obviously, I mean, and I want you to kind of share people your influence other than just Dallas and how... Yeah. You know, at Christmas time, like he's, yeah. he's the closest thing we have to Santa Claus as far as <laughs> it, it, for real. It, but your, your actual influence is so significant, which, you know, many people never will even get to touch what you've experienced on a daily basis. You know, that was honestly a moment of opportunity. So in 2008, when the economy started to tank and they started to fire people like me, we're called franchise reporters who aren't necessarily on the air every day, who are a little bit more expensive to maintain because we're not churning the kind of product that other people, you know, churn. And I went to management. I said, you know, I think that, well, I know that the content that we provide here in Dallas really works well in any market across the country. So why don't we kind of pioneer this um, content sharing program where once a week I pitch an idea to all the stations and then we sit down in studio for like three hours and they can book 10 minute windows with me and it'll be just one topic. If you like it, great. If not, come back next week and see, see what we're doing then, you know? So they said, okay, if you can figure it out and you can, you know, you know, uh, you know, work it, um, you know, all the logistics and stuff, then uh, go ahead and try it. And we tried it one week. We were booked solid. We tried it the next week, booked solid next week, next week. I mean, that was, I think we're coming up to our 14th year of, um, you know, being a contributor to all of our network owned and operated stations across the country. Uh, parallel to my world music. Uh, Hasselhoff is huge in Germany. Yeah. What is like, where is like the one place you just can't go and you just get relatively mobbed? You know, oh, uh, mm, <laughs> You know what? I, people are so respectful of of space, like. But the are you like really I big mean, in honestly, Ohio? Like, like I, what, <laughs> what's what's the what's the place that if you, you had know, to go and feel fill the ego for a day, where would you go and? Well, I mean, obviously here in DFW, yeah, right? Is the big, in fact, I was I just had lunch at Jason's. Is it no, not Jason's? What's one of your Jersey Mike's? Oh yeah. Um, and then when we're on the counter, promo card, she goes. <gasps> She goes, take that card out of there. Lunch is on me today. Oh, or <laughs> you're in like, trouble. Oh, thanks, I'm here right? <laughs> live on the scene. Those aren't real pickles. You're right, exactly. Yeah. People, people, uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm shopping for a car right now, and I went in and I was asking some guys some questions and stuff. He's like, I got to tell you, I, I've been nervous this whole conversation because I thought oh. you were here trying to, like, like that we did something oh, like wrong, maybe, boss. right? <laughs> Dude, I've got a car guy, by the way, if you need, if you need a Thank car you. guy. Um, and and so, so, again, like, what the, to see your influence on that, to go and, like, take something negative and turn it into something positive, you know, in 2008, all that are watching this maybe don't remember it. It was not a great time no, to be it was not. in the business of trying to make money and try to stay significant. But you went and probably took a bigger market share had the economy been, you know, in a completely different place. So how did that turn your headspace into being a business owner within the world of entertainment? So, you know, I mean, the, it's funny, first of all, it's funny that you call it entertainment because I do think that, that there's some validity to that, right? I mean, um, what kind of we're infotainers, especially these days. Infotainers. Um, but well, you're salespeople too. If you think about it, how many other options do people have at, to watch the news when you're on? 50? That's been an interesting challenge because remember when I started in this business 20 some odd years ago, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter. You didn't know what was going on in the world until six o'clock at night when we told you what was. Now, not only do you have information constantly during the day, but we compete against people who don't know what they're doing. And I don't necessarily mean other professional newscasters. I mean, armchair journalists, people on Twitter, you know, how many times that people say to us, well, why aren't you reporting such and such? I saw on Facebook that this person, it's like, because Facebook is not not a reliable source. I mean, once we source it, we'll report it. Um, what is and that process? How do you 100% confirm something? I always three sources. 
three sources. So like uh, unrelated sources. So TMZ, right, People, Us Weekly. I mean, that's, well, no, not necessarily. That'll show you how. <laughs> that's just like rereading, right? Because for those sources, they probably perhaps all read it from the same place, like actual I called you. So for example, there was a really tragic story of um, Athena Strand, I believe her name was a little girl who died. Um, the FedEx driver ended oh, yeah. up, you know, when that story was first breaking, we found out about the FedEx driver first. Um, we didn't, it wasn't confirmed, but we heard from like just through a text message. Or so I heard from somebody who lives in that neighborhood who knows somebody in law enforcement. Um, and I said, and which by the way is part of building that trust over the years, right? I always tell people you don't build an audience with a big story. You build them between the big stories, right? That's why you see me, um, constantly engaging with people, right? Because, you know, when I do have something amazing to share with you, I want you to be there waiting for me. I don't want to first have to attract you, you know, with that kind of stuff. And those kind of relationships develop over time. So this woman who was like, look, I'm writing to you because I trust you. I see you on TV. I know what you do. Here's what's up. Like you've never met her. I've never, oh no, never. I've, I have a friend on, you know, who is involved with the police. You know, this is what happened. And it was like, okay, now we know. That's one source. So that's, well, now we know what questions to ask, right? So now we are the people out there who can, after the press conference, pull the police aside and say, listen, here's what we're hearing privately. Is there value to breaking a story? There is. And I think that there's a lot of pressure to doing that as well, right? Because again, when we're wrong, people remember. When Joe Schmo on Twitter is wrong, no one cares, no one cares right? I'm saying, is it something now to couple social media with it? If, if Steve breaks the story of something significant or something got like yeah. that's in pop culture, you do that. And then it, it has your, your star shine a little bit brighter. I think that it does. I mean, luckily a lot of what I do is all exclusive, right? So back in the day when I was a general assignment reporter and you'd be going to the same press conference or crime scene as everybody else. Now I'm fortunate enough to really kind of pick and choose my own content. The stories that you see me do, we're doing exclusively, right? So we're kind of breaking all of them, which is, which is nice, but I do get thrown into the regular news mix every now and again, especially on social media. Like that, that Athena Strand story was just so heartbreaking and so sad and, and, we got so much interaction from our viewers who really wanted information that we, you know, kind of all rolled up. It was, it was an all hands on deck, you know, situation for sure. And you talk about the challenges of competing, you know, whether for real, like if I was going to go put on the news right now, how many like standard news channels do you think there are? Well, for sure. Time? So in DFW, so we have us, we have, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a Fox, there's an ABC, there's an NBC, there's a CBS, there's a CW, there's Univision, there's Telemundo. And that's just local television stations. That's that's not, you know, and then the, all the people like, I don't know if you follow like Dallas TV on oh, yeah. Facebook and Instagram. I mean, those guys, they get some really good video, right? So now we're competing with them. You know, you never really know. Um, it's gone are the days of it's six o'clock. What is, you know, Tom Brokaw or Peter Jennings yeah. have to say and about this? Like, I feel like I'm part of a really select breed that I still read the paper every day. Yeah which I think I do just out of habit. And I think I feel yeah. like I'm accomplishing something, but I, I want to talk about the challenges of your industry outside the fact that you really are, you don't give yourself enough credit for being yourself and for going and instead of fishing outside, you want to watch the Rockettes and instead of <laughs> for real pursuing the typical, whatever people do, law, real estate, oil yeah. and gas, like you had a, a pretty clear vision. And even though it wasn't exactly what you thought you're going to be doing, you are yourself every single day. But the challenges within, you know, becoming a, figure in the world of television have got to be so statistically against you 
What was yeah. that first layer of challenge actually like when you realized, okay, okay, you're on Missouri, you're in Vermont for two years, you feel home, but there was something else waiting for you. How did you work through that headspace? So there, it's interesting that you say that because uh, at the beginning, I remember the first job it was, I'll go anywhere and make anything. Which just pl- I, I send out like 97 resume tapes. And back in the day, it was tape. I mean, you were making yeah. VHS copies it, and you know the whole thing. And I got one offer. Actually, one one offer, one interest. The interest was in um, Anchorage, Alaska. No way. And then the offer was in Missouri. I would go to Missouri. I was like, all right, I'm off to Missouri. Here do we go? You know, here we go. And you're in this headspace of, okay, I'm here for a little while. I've got to go bigger. I've got to go better. Great, Burlington, Vermont, much better market. Uh, let's go. I went from. Twelve grand a year to twenty one thousand. Let's go or like millennials. Let's go. Like Like, no, like let's like let's go to Vermont. Like yeah. Um, I don't know if it's like LFG. um, You know, (laughs) I don't even know what that is. You don't know how they all. It's like I I say it now because I'm around people all the time that say it, but you never heard the term like. If I want to fire you up, be like, all right, let's go. Let's oh, go. I, I let's just go. figured it out. Let's freaking go. But I'm like, I where? To Vermont. <laughs> to Burlington, Vermont. Anyway. So Burlington, Vermont. And then the creative piece of what I was doing was kind of missing. So during sweeps, I would do like consumer stories and I would really love it. And I was like, I need to find a full-time consumer gig. And then I did with Fox in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, which is where I met Doug. Um, And we were there for two years. And then it was like, all right, now there's a spot in Dallas, like top five market. My goal was top 30, top, top 30 by the time I was 30. No, I'm sorry. Top 10 by the time I was 30. Um, So to go to a top five at 28, I was like, I mean, you've got to go. If you can get the job, you have to go. There's no, there's just no question. Can you imagine being somebody that runs a network in Burlington or small town Anchorage, knowing that you're never going to keep great talent? No, you. That's got to be so hard to be a. But great I think leader. that you, but you know that going in, right? I mean, yeah. you understand how that. You know, you know where you are, and some people stay. You know. Um, but even like here, you know, so one of the negative things about being the kind of reporter that I am, meaning that I have my own kind of gig, is um, there's not too many jobs. The road gets very narrow as you continue down it, right? Because general assignment reporter, you've got, you know, 20 jobs at every station. For me, if there's a guy out there hoping to get to Dallas to be the consumer reporter at the Fox station, I mean, he's got to wait for me to die at this point for that to happen, right? So the road gets narrow. But you did ask about kind of being authentic in that. Um, and part of that is, is Doug and, and our story together as people and as dads and as husbands. And that wasn't always a very easy story. You know, um, I have had more than one conversation with management before about carefully choosing pronouns and, you know, and what does that look like? And in those, what do you mean, like today's that you mean like in today's age, uh, in the, since I've been to Dallas age. Yeah, for sure. Explain that. Um, you know that like you don't call him your husband 20 years ago. You now call him your, I do your spouse. Uh, I, so spouse, That's my crazy. other half, Because um, they're afraid that somebody might not like take a liking to that. Well, somebody, but a lot of people don't. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of people who don't, you know, I remember when I first moved to Dallas, um, I put a picture of Doug and I on my desk and one of the reporters came over and she said, who's that? She's no longer with us. She's, she's alive. She said, knew you were going to say that. Um, she said, who's that? I said, that's my boyfriend. And she said, do they know you're gay? And I said, if they don't, I bet they're about to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you, you don't ever know. Right. Um, but Part of that, and as much as I hate social media sometimes, one of the things that it has done is... No mystery. Well, and it gives people an eye into, here we are. Like, me and Doug, we're married. We 
no, we don't know what to make for dinner, just like you don't know what to make for dinner. We sometimes argue over You're what we watch on TV. To me. Like, I don't know what to make for dinner. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. make dinner. Does Abby make dinner? Sometimes. You order it. You order it. A lot of Uber Eats at like, yeah, home. No. Yeah. Again, fancy part of town. Yeah. Um, you know, when we decided to have, so this is a perfect example. So like when we got married, um, it's like, okay, like here's our wedding. Like was this there is... hesitation to put that out there, worrying that people were gonna... um, a little bit. Yeah. Really? At oh, that point, sucks. a little bit for sure. Um, and hesitation for like from a professional standpoint that you would both. Yeah, Man. for sure. Um, and I'll tell you when our, but here's the good news, right? The world is evolving. When we had our first child, Jacob, and of course we, you know, for those that don't know, we went through the surrogacy process twice. Um, when he was born, a management contacted me and they said, hey, we, of course, would love to announce on the air that you guys have had a baby. Um, help us word that. And I was like, cool, because I'm like, I'm not one of those people who I, well, you should know. No, you're, you're, Educate you're right. Like, here we, so I said, great. You know, you know, we've had blah, blah, blah. I was born via surrogacy. We're all doing well. That's that. That's what you told them to say. Right. And that's what they did say on the air during the birth announcements. Well, of course, they posted it on social media. And at the time, the comments from our followers were so disgusting about, first of all, that this poor kid would have two dads growing up. A lot of comments about the idea of how we manipulated God's will by um, going through IVF. A lot of that. Um, but overall, a lot of... People that would publicly comment. Yeah. How stupid. People, a lot of, you know, and I thought, and I, I don't engage. I really don't. But it hurt my heart because... I thought to myself, one day my son is going to Google himself and this is what he's going to see, right? It was not great. Um, but I will tell you, in the two short years it took us to have the second baby afterward, um, there were a lot, it was much more positive. Yeah. People had evolved, right? And I think that part of that is genuinely sharing who you are in a way that doesn't sell out or pander to other people. This is what our life looks like. This is what Doug and I, this is the, our, and what I think, because it's a lot harder to hate somebody when you know somebody who you hate, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that for a lot of folks, um, we might be the first or only couple that they know. We have a, we have a 13 County viewing area, right? I mean, um, and for me, the best days are when I will get an email from somebody who says, you know, either I'm gay or my son is gay. He sees you on TV. I just wanted to let you know how much you've made a difference in our family for us. You know, even for my own parents, when I first came out to them, there was a mourning process that went along with that. Right. Like you have this idea. I mean, with your daughter, I'm sure you future trip a little bit about what her life will look like. And if it suddenly takes a left, yeah. you have to let this go. Right. Um, and my folks had to do that, you know, as well. Never in a million years did they think that they would dance at my wedding or come visit us to see their grandchildren. I mean, that was off the table as far as they were concerned. Um, but here we are. Life evolves and life happens. And I think that kind of the lesson in all of that is when you are right-sized about the genuine way in which you share your life with people, it really is this beautiful educational experience. Hmm. So do you feel like as far as an accomplishment as a man, as a husband, as a dad, as a leader, as an industry uh, titan, does that even remotely compare to what you've been able to do as far as, again, the delta between the two sons being born and how because of you, people really literally took a different approach to life. Yeah. Is that more of an accomplishment to you than the 
professional accomplishments. You know, it's funny when you first asked me to be on the podcast and you were saying, you know, you're a trailblazer. And I was like, what? That's kind of a, that's a really big word. Because I don't know what Dallas media looked like before I got here, right? I only know it's what it's like Dallas. with me. You're, you're, yeah, you're, no, you're, for you're sure. In, 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 <laughs> but I'm not trying to pump your ego. I think that uh, I can't, I never had that part of my brain that, like, I didn't care if somebody was gay, if they were straight. Like, that never crossed my mind. And that's in, that's in part because my parents taught me to love everybody mm-hmm. as you're supposed to. But this is not, I mean, I would not say Dallas is the Bible belt, but it's also not New York City. For sure. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not a very accepting city to change, however you want to define that. I think that's growing. But have you been able to feel your impact from the fact that, like, you do. You live in a neighborhood that historically hasn't had a whole lot of diversity. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. So when we moved, so we live in the Park Cities, uh, and we were really hesitant to move there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of folklore that goes along with what life in the in the bubble looks like, it's a right? political way um, yeah, saying it. And... We were nervous about doing it, and Doug was like, oh. And I said, you know what? We can't fault someplace for not being diverse if we're not willing to move there and help make it diverse. Good on you. And when, and you know what? Just like I put that picture of myself on my desk and my boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, at work, when we moved to, to HP, I got on the, the community messaging board on, right. on Facebook, right? Um, and I posted a picture of me and my husband and our two kids. And I said, hi, my name is Steve. This is my husband. We have two kids. We're new to the area. Our boys will be at such and such elementary school. Um, we'd love to meet some of you. And thinking you were going to get hit by the fire and squad. You never, you're thinking, thinking, I don't know. Um, and not only have people been overwhelmingly kind and lovely, um, but the, I remember the admin for the page wrote, she said, I know we've never met. She goes, I just want to tell you, we've never seen such traffic on somebody's because people do all the time. They drop in there. Hey, we're new. You know, what, what dry cleaner do realtor. I go to? Yeah. Right. You know, you never know. Um, and that feels good because you know what? I, I do see the change. I see the change. Um, I'll tell you a quick story because I know we're probably running out of time. Um, no, we're at the three-hour so, mark. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Um, we uh, so our, like I said, our son is in kindergarten. Our oldest son is in kindergarten. Uh, I'm at the school a lot. Doug's at the school quite a bit as well. Uh, one day he was there instead of me having lunch with our son, um, and he, uh, his, our son's little buddy was there and his mom was there too. And she said, um, Oh, this is Jacob's dad. Uh, and he said, no, it's not because I've met Jacob's dad and you're not him. <laughs> Meaning he had met me and she said, Oh no, no, no. Uh, and she was, Oh gosh. Uh, she said, no, Jacob has two daddies. And he looked at our son and he said, you have two dads. And he said, yeah. And he was like, so cool. Like <laughs> you have two dads. And wow. his mom was like, do you want two dads? He's like, yeah. Like how cool is having two dads? And it's like, I mean, people, when you treat something strange and weird and like feel like you need to explain yourself and justify who you are, other people feel that energy. Right. But if you're just like, this is what it is, yeah. you know, people get in that moment to have a choice. Dude, am I on board or am I not? Easier said than done though. And that's why I wanted to do these things is I feel like that living where I, I spent a large part of my life, like where I felt like I couldn't fully breathe. And I was so afraid of what people were going to think about me or doing like a podcast. Everyone and their freaking mom has a podcast. I have two. And I was so afraid <laughs> 
to go and just be myself for a living and love my wife and my family and my passions because I thought people were going to make fun of me. And they do, right? And it kind of goes back to what you're saying. I found that the common thread between people that love to talk crap about me is they don't know me. Yeah. And, and that's such a hard thing to capture because when you first figure that out, people like me immediately go to the people that don't know me and be like, let me tell you, it's like, screw it. Right. The people that love you and, 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 and care for you, are the ones that eventually drown out or convert the other people to being, you know, supporters. But you've done that to a, a scale. And again, like to go and, and this might sound super just ridiculous to you all, but posting this in a Facebook group dominated by people that historically have never left their little bubble. They grew up together. They went to college together. They married within their circle, which is totally fine, but never understood what it was like to have friends that have different beliefs. It was so monumental. And, and I think that that's just the way that you live your life in general, where you're just unapologetically you. And when people can capture that and know what it's like to go and live inside that headspace, it's rare air. Yeah. And when you get to do it, you want to find a way to obsess over being there forever, which is, again, a reason I, I wanted you to uh, to be on this. Um, well, that, that's a huge compliment, and I appreciate no, but that. I, I mean that. And, and, and it's also one of those things that we see each other, what? two, three times a quarter at best. And the first time I met you, it was like, a, it was genuine. It was a real friendship because I, I think we both knew what we were getting at. And I think we both have different versions of each other that we see where we're both publicly talked about. And that's just kind of part of, of, of what we do. But when you find something that in a relationship, I think that if you can find familiarity, it's beautiful. And it's like that common thread of whatever it is that you love, even if you don't, I don't love what you love and vice versa. We're so just hyper-focused on that, it makes it a really, really special friendship, which yeah. is what we've been able to have. Um, it, who, have you even had a hero in the world of, of infotainment? <sighs> like the sham wow guy? <laughs> <laughs> I did meet Billy Mays once before he, before he died. He was he was wow, wasn't no, he? he was, I forget the sham wow guy. Billy Mays was the OxyClean guy. Remember OxyClean, big, Billy Mays right, here. The, Billy, Billy Mays, Mays yes, yeah. He died of like a cocaine overdose. Oh, know, it wasn't yeah. like he didn't drink Well, Oxy I mean, he was, I, maybe it was the... <laughs> There the OxyClean. Billy, I, mean, Billy, Billy, I have not <laughs> slept in seven weeks, but OxyClean. Yeah. You know what? I love, and unfortunately, I think it's a dying breed, but I love old school, like consumer journalism. Like, you know, like I'm addicted to, well, I mean, it's not consumer stuff, but like I'm addicted to Dateline. I'm addicted to storytelling, you know, like Keith Morrison, like, oh my God, like, please just read me the phone book. Like, you know, I mean. You know who lives in DFW, by the way, is John Keonis. Oh, yes. You know what? It's funny. So we, Doug and I were on a plane once with John Quinones and, and it like land, like when there was turbulence and we had to do like an emergency landing and like we're nope. stranded in the middle of somewhere or whatever. And I was like, do you think we're on an episode <laughs> of what would, what you, would do? you do? Like, oh. do not freak out on the flight attendants. Oh. Ladies like, and gentlemen, John Quinones like, here. Are, right. Are we like being tested to see if we're total D bags to the, you know, to the people who are trying to help You tell us? yourself that. Um, so, but so, so is there one person you could pinpoint as a you hero? Know, I, again, I think that there are a lot of people who I look up to, um, you know, people who are excellent storytellers. And I love things like Dateline, for example, um, because you have to tell stories about things that happened in the past that you don't have video of. TV is a visual medium. And how do you, I'm very aware of that when I write my stories. What what am I giving my editor to show in this moment when I'm selecting these particular words, right? Can we marry words and pictures and have them walk hand in hand in this moment? Or do I need to either shoot new video or source new video or rewrite what I'm saying? So, um, but I love the old school, like hidden camera, like we had 10 locksmiths come out to this house and like four of them screwed us. And here's what you should look out for. Or I remember once on, I think it was 2020, they did, um, like a fake, 
weight loss product that they had invented. And it was like Nestle's, it was like pills of Nestle's quick that they had like pressed into pills. And they got all these experts, you know, that were doing the infomercial and doctors and PhDs and, you know, scientists and whatnot, that they were paid experts who were happy to get on TV. And there was this whole ruse about, you know, how you should really watch out for the, you know, just because someone's got a white coat on doesn't mean that they're, you know, a trusted, reliable, uh, you know, medical source. I love that kind of stuff because, and this is good news for me for job security. I do think that regardless of who you love or how much money you have or what your political, you know, stance is or where you live or whatever the case is, um, the one thing that we all are as consumers, be it of products, of information, of whatever. And if I can exist in that space to guide people to make better decisions um, as they walk through it, what a great gift that is, right? Touche. Best advice you've ever received. If you want a real story, talk to a real person. Man, he was ready for that. Yeah, it's my favorite. And it's true, right? I mean, people, whenever, whenever we're telling somebody about, you know, a story, be it a story about the real estate market or be it a story about, you know, I can save you 90% on your, on your prescriptions. <laughs> so your car you know, insurance by switching to Geico. Right. Whatever the case is, it's like, you know, people, okay, tell me about the woman who's making a choice between eating and taking her anti-rejection drugs for her lung transplant um, because she can't afford both. I mean, tell me a story about her and, and all, you know, people, people care more. People are good. They care about each other and they want to hear about each other. One more advice question. What's your advice to someone wanting to get into the industry, whether it's entertainment, television, journalism, whatever it is? So it doesn't... Look, it's a different world today, and it seems to happen overnight now for so many more people, right? I mean, you can be a citizen journalist with an iPhone and an internet connection. I think there's incredible value in working in small market TV, producing your own stuff, having to make sure you're editing your own stuff. You know, when my when I ask my editor to do something, I know what it means to edit my stuff because I used to do it myself, right? I certainly um, am not as proficient as he is in it at this point, but you really have to find uh, ways to understand the totality of the project that you're working on. Today, it's truly a team effort. I'm incredibly blessed. You've met Raul before. Um, you know, he's my photographer and editor, and we work together almost exclusively. And to find somebody who is as passionate about their part of the process as you are about yours is a real gift. It really is. Um, and I think that we see so many people these days who um, kind of feel like this is an overnight process um, because that's the stories we hear on social media. This is a terrible example, but it's just the one that's coming to my mind right now. So I do watch RuPaul's Drag Race. I do now. <laughs> Work it, so, girl. So, I mean, the, I mean, to me, like, that's a big deal. I mean, you're on national television on the, I mean, she's like, you know, um, and it's interesting this season, the cast, I'm not saying they're not qualified, but is really taking a turn. So you hear them chat, chit chatting in the workroom and it's, you know, oh, I've been doing drag for a year on TikTok. You know, I've been doing drag for six months or I've been, you know, now I'm on the show. Whereas it used to be like, this is my life's work. I've been doing this for 20 years. Like I know what it looks like to work in the small clubs in Columbia, Missouri. And I know what it works, you know, means to work, you know, in the, in the bars in, in New York city, you know, um, I think that there's a depth and a richness, um, and an authenticity that comes from that experience. Right. You know, when I, when I say to somebody, you know, this is my opinion of how this can be done. It's not because I just got here today. It's because that opinion has been carefully cultivated over the course of the last couple of decades. Two questions left. The first is your legacy. You look back, uh, and you think about all the things that you accomplished. What would be the thing that you're most proud of? My kids. 
hands down. How about that? I mean, my kids, uh, I, they're, they're endlessly fascinating. They are totally different people from one another. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm, and you'll, you'll find this as your daughter gets a little older and kind of starts to talk and starts to interact with the world around her and stuff. But like, like what a, what a great gift that is to be a dad. Like it's, it's Doug and I became, again, I'm almost 50. So we were late to the game when it came to having kids. Right. You're looking at me like, I'm not, I mean, same. Right. Yeah. You know, um, and there was a part of me that was like, you know, if I want a new car, I am like obsessively building it a thousand times on the website and like searching for pictures and driving 30 miles to a dealership to see an interior college or whatever. When we had kids, I was like, I think I want them. Like, I don't know. Like, do you know, cause there's really no downside to a new car other than the payment. Right. Um, and we were hesitant to do it. We we're like, we have a really good life. Like, what if we do this and it's not good anymore? Like, what if, like, we don't know what we're getting into here. I wish we did it a hundred years ago. I mean, they, my, the biggest, not sadness of my life, but I hate that I might never meet there. Don't now. I know. Come on. Come they're going to get married early. Don't do that. <laughs> you think of it too. Yeah. We also live. Listen, I think this is like, <laughs> I'm 42 and. I, Are I, you really? How old do you think I was? Yeah, about that. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. But, but I, it's like. I just the, realized I was that much older than you are. Six years older than me. Yeah. I, 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 there's advantages to everything. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, if I let my headspace go there, it's not fair to my daughter, oh, no. yeah. you know, and for, I, no, for sure. And we also have the luxury of time differently. Yeah. So, but in, anyway, in answer to your question, legacy is the kids for sure. I mean, it's just been the great privilege of my life to, to have children. I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's just been, it's been amazing. Well, it's the great privilege of my life to ask you this question that I'm actually more excited to ask you this question oh, than gosh. I ever have with any of our guests. Does and everyone he, get the same question? No, they've got a version of this question. Okay. Like a version Was of it this, on the sheet you sent? No. Oh, and this God. is something that, and this might make you think more than you've ever thought in your entire life. Oh, no. like the question we could ask is like, who plays you in a movie? Who? who right. My question to you, Broadway calls. They want to do the Steve Noviello musical. <laughs> What's it called? And oh, who plays God. lead? And bonus question, what is the theme? What is the main song called? Um, it is, maybe it's a drag show and the... By the way, you've been waiting for this question. <laughs> it, it finally <laughs> only, happened. Only because Raul and I were just talking about this recently. Seriously? We were, talking, we were talking about drag names and I actually heard one on a commercial and I was like, that's it, I'm stealing that. What is it? Lowest price. <laughs> 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 the best. What's the, what's the, is that what it's called? Music, what's the musical called? I don't know. Um, lowest price for all y'all but that she are would a little be, bit slower on the processing. Would, that means right. that's a pun for lowest price, yeah. but also, that's what we yeah. that's what we engage Steve for. <laughs> Lowest price. What's the I mean, musical that she called? She would be the headliner. I think maybe it'd be like more of like a cabaret, like a, like, like a, bringing cabaret back, or like it would be kind of like a like a you know, yeah, like it would be like more of a cabaret show, like a, a kind of a journey through you know time. I, What's it called? I don't know. Um, can I get back to you? No, this um, is an on the spot question. What's it called? I mean, to uh, to steal a line from Frank Sinatra, maybe it's just called My Way. How about that? Starring Lois Price as the <laughs> character of Steve Noviello. Yeah. What's, the, what's the song called? Uh, 
<laughs> uh, maybe uh, maybe we take one from Gypsy and use you gotta get you gotta get a gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> so the, this is a, Steve and I have an ongoing text about the the greatest musical. Actually, what what would be the greatest musical ever other than uh, my well, greatest way. musical movie? Um, I mean, I feel like we're, any we, sound of music. Well, you Greece. know, you know, both of those have a special spot in my heart. Grease two, very underrated. Michelle by the Pfeiffer, way. what's up? I mean, very underrated. Um, greatest musical. What what do I love at the moment? Um, I kind of like the classics, like the Saigon Les Mis. Like I think, like Les Mis is coming back to Dallas Summer Musicals. I will absolutely go see it. I just saw Moulin Rouge in the city recently. It was great. Oh. Um, I just saw Funny Girl with um, Leah Michelle. Ugh. Oh no, I'm sorry. I love Glee. Not a Leah Michelle fan. You know what? Here's why I liked I it. The, I thought the Jonah Hill sister was doing lead now. No, she's. Um, so Leah Michelle does it. And the reason why I like it, not only was she born to play the part, but everybody there is there and so excited to see her oh. that the energy of being in that theater when she's on the stage, I mean, the show was no joke, 15 minutes longer than it normally is when she's there because there's so much applause yeah. and to be part of that, like, like I, I saw her in wicked. I mean, actually, did I see her in wicked? No, I saw she? Kristen Chenoweth in wicked. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. So it was good. Equally as annoying. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, man, this is, uh, this has been a treat. I, I really, uh, you're a very inspiring person. Oh, you're uh, very everyone kind. that's listening and watching, uh, you know, for years to come, it's not hard just to be yourself. You just have to make a decision, uh, wherever you are in your life. And I, I'm grateful for my friendship with you. I'm grateful for your Facebook posts and I'm grateful for you sharing your story today with, with the whole world. Well, I'm grateful for you having me. Thanks. You're welcome. How do we best support you? Where do we find you? How do we go? Sure. And, and share uh, your so my Venmo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you would not I mean, be the first I've to do Venmo. I've got two kids to put through college. Uh, you know, find me online. So I'm on Instagram at Steve Noviello. Uh, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash save me, Steve. That'll prove a 48-year-old saying facebook.com backslash save me, Steve. You could have just gone to Facebook, save me, Steve. But... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks for everything, and thanks for being a <laughs> thanks part of Thanks for calling this. me old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>